As we inch closer to the new year, do you feel you have completed your yearly goals? A little bit because I have, uh, like previous to this year, I hadn't really done that much like submitting, like, you know, like you, like you have. I still haven't done that much, but I have done more submitting than I have been doing. Right. And, and with, you know, with, and, and by more, you mean more than zero. Yeah, more than zero. Okay. But then also has got a few things accepted that's still waiting, you know, to come out, you know, hopefully to more towards the beginning of the, the next year. And then also, you know, working on others, you know, trying to work on some other stuff, you know, that has some, you know, deadlines coming up too, so. Yeah, deadlines. Ah, that's it. Well, that's good, Spencer. You have a higher success rate acceptance-wise than I do, <laughs> I believe. Well, that's just because you tried for the longest time to try to get sent to, like, submit stuff to, like, those fancy literary magazines and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I just got rejected by the Dublin Review about 10 minutes ago. (laughs) I didn't think I was going to hear back from them. They're like the New Yorker. It's like, you just don't hear back. They actually said something back. They said, you suck. Oh, wow. They said, hey, you fucking asshole. Don't ever send us anything (laughs) ever again or we'll fucking kill you. I was like, whoa. Break your laptop or your fingers. One of the, I think maybe my, both. I think it might actually just been Conor McGregor that messaged me because <laughs> apparently he's trying to run for president of oh Ireland my. now. So I think he uh, is just jumping on board with their some of their biggest journals and magazines. I could only imagine what he what he was calling you in the email. Uh, you know, because the Irish swears, it doesn't sound so bad to us. Like I don't know if it's an insult or a compliment. Yeah, yeah. So. It's also uh, sometimes hard to just understand what they are saying. Yeah. Depending on how drunk they are. So it's like, I don't, I'm not even under sure understand the words you're using right now. Like, you called me a cunt, but is <laughs> it It sounded friendly the yeah. way you said it. What does that mean? You said blimey. I can't remember beforehand. I can't remember if that's a good good thing or a bad, bad thing. Blimey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, we got an episode about books or something. Well, we, what, what about you and your goals? I don't want to talk about my goals. Okay. Save that for the, the New Year's episode. I've, uh... We I mean, don't have to get in-depth just how you how do you feel, you know? I'm very happy. I think I did very well. I did better than I expected, uh, so we'll see. But you know what? I can't bring this up real quick. So, there's one thing I've been wanting to announce forever, and I still can't because it can't. I'm not allowed to announce it until it comes out. Yeah. Which is frustrating. And this one comes with a big payday. Hmm. Which I don't get paid until it comes out. Yeah. And I got accepted in, I think, July or August. I think it was July. And I've been waiting and waiting for this thing to come out. So I looked it up to see if, like, am I fucked? Like, what is happening here? Yeah. And apparently it can take up to, like, some people, because this is such a, a big thing that's going to mm. be out, uh, it could take up to two years. Oh, my. Like, you just don't know when it's going to come out. Some people, it's very quick. It's just, like, depend your story gets put out depending on when it's needed, yeah. what, you know, what it fits for, and uh, just, it's random almost. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. God damn it. Because there's a couple times where something came out, and I was like, ooh, I'm going to be in this because it's, you know, comes out in themes every right. week. And I was like, ooh, this is a theme thing that fits my story that I submitted. I should be, nope, not in that one. Yeah. So I'm just waiting and waiting. So that's kind of frustrating. I was hoping that would come out for the new before the New Year so I could talk about it, but whatever. Malik, it'll come out on Christmas Day. Right. <laughs> like, that's not a good time for horror. Right. 
Uh, so anyway, folks, we're going to talk about books and stuff. And, and uh, things. Things. and uh, Oh, I remember what I wanted to tell you, Spencer. What's that? Nothing, because you already are aware. Oh. Uh, for those who've listened to last week's episode with our guest, Stephen Awanu, I, we had some troubles because my Chromebook no longer accepted Google Meets. Like, it was no longer compatible randomly. Mm. And that's what we used. So we had to switch to Zoom and it was all funky. The episode came out fine if you listen to it, but uh, it was just a little annoying. So I had to order a new Chromebook because I'm going to spend laptop money for yeah. something we're just using for a camera. So I got a new Chromebook and it came today. But that's the reason we don't have a guest scheduled for today was because we didn't. I didn't know if the Chromebook was going to be here on time and I didn't want to schedule someone and then like right. you know, put them on Zoom. Uh, and I don't know, maybe I'll schedule someone next week. I put everyone on hold, basically. Right. So I'll see what maybe this week. What and also, too, with it being the holiday yeah. season, it might be a little more difficult, to, you know, to schedule something depending on what ours and yeah. the other people. Well, I was people. surprised so many people wanted to come on during the holidays. I was like, why don't we wait till the new year? Like, maybe just if they have stuff out, you know, I, what, I you know what I mean? You know, hey, tell people to buy the my book for a Christmas present. Yeah, I guess. Dean Koontz wanted to come on. Yeah, we make my book makes a perfect uh, stocking stuffer. Yeah, James Patterson too. He wanted on. Yeah, well, I mean, he just goes wherever he can. Yeah, I guess. But I was like, yeah, I don't know. He, he offered to give us money. Money that never happens. No, not a lot of money. It's like ten bucks. But then he'd probably want to be like, oh, I also too co-host the Junk and Pen Writing Podcast. That's what I. That's what I worry about. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. So anyway, fuck, stick around after space music or whatever music we use these days. You are listening to the Drunken Penwriting Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb James, with me today, the same fucking guy that's always Not here. Everywhere, all the time. Every week. Spencer, the Missouri Manwich Maker Church. Manwich. I feel like for the month of December going into Christmas, you have nicer names. Yeah. I don't know if that was deliberate on my part or what. We also had some guests. So I don't. I try not to have you like a molester or something. And when we have guests. Yeah. I appreciate it. I feel like that'd be a little awkward. Like if we had, uh, I don't know, like Chismar came on yeah. or something. Like we had Richard Chismar on. I'm not going to make you like the fucking Delaware dandy or something, you know? I feel like that would be harsh. Uh, today, Spencer, we're going to be talking about one. Uh, Samuel Langhorne Clemens. Okay. And, uh, I think you asked me this a long time ago, and I didn't have a very good answer, because I never really looked it up. When I was reading, uh, why do I want to say Adventures of Tom Cruise? (laughs) (laughs) That's not right. Oh, could you imagine him just on a little boat? (laughs) (laughs) Also, for anybody who's not aware, which is everybody listening, uh, this is my first day of a three-day fast I decided to try, so my brain not good yeah <laughs> not working i also that's why i didn't have uh made sure i did this on a day where we don't have a guest oh yeah you don't have brain cramps or... but i actually do have a guest on wednesday on arcade bookshop oh. shop on day three of the fast <laughs> oh that so. should be fun you'd be nice and loopy yeah i don't know how that's gonna go yeah so when i read uh the adventures of tom sawyer and huckleberry finn there you asked me what other books Mark Twain had. Yeah. And I remember there was like the Yankee, Connecticut Yankee and something, King Arthur's Court or something. But that was the only thing I was aware of. I was like, I don't actually know yeah. any Mark Twain books. Does he have other books? 
Well, Spencer. We're about to find out. I found a list. Woo! A motherfucking list. list. I found a goddamn list and I'm going to look it up. How do you feel about black people saying goddamn because they don't want to blasphemy? Just black people do that? And white people that copy black people. Well, I was going to say, because that also sounds very Southern, too. Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know why I bring that up. But I, I just always... What the fuck? Why is my phone vibrating so hard? What are you watching? Instagram? What are you looking at? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What happened? I don't know. I don't know. It just says join. Join what? <gasps> what am I joining? Uh, Somebody's... uh. Well, I can't, should I just join? Yeah, throw the podcast on. Let them, let them get a sneak peek. No, let me go on Instagram. Maybe it'll have some better... Because it could be anything. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. I'm joining. <laughs> Join. Ooh, allow Instagram to make and manage phone calls. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I don't trust... Oh, no. Ah. Oh, this is bad. Real bad. Real bad. What is it for? They can't just tell me to join something. They're not telling me what it... What the fuck? Sorry, folks. Somebody know. wants you to join... I don't know who. Alive. That's what I thought, but I was like, with who? Tell me who. Who wants me to join alive? I'll get on. You're on live with the drunken pen writing crew. Blah, 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 blah. And we'd be fucking retarded. I'll have to cut that out. I don't want to say retarded. Oh. I'm sorry. I got no filter. No filter. No fucking filter. I'm fasting. I'm really hungry, and my wife made a bunch of fucking meat. She never eats beef, but today she decided I need a pound of beef. Why? Oh, good. good. So, Spencer, I have not found an answer to this, but it's disappeared now. Wait, what if it's... Oh, it could be the other Instagram. The drunken pen writing Instagram. Oh, that'd be weird. The one I never look at, ever. Hey, also shout out to Matt Holland, who tried to get us a guest, and I didn't notice that he sent the thing three days ago. So oh, it's a cool. Tweet, tweet. Tweeted. Or is it just called a post now? <laughs> I don't think it's... A you exited. Exited. You know what? The folks don't want to hear this nonsense, and I don't even want to search this anymore. Mocked spot. So, wait. There's a request. Hillary Duff. Uh, Hillary Duff on the five side. This big wire was on a great show. Uh, so where are we? Oh, Mark Twain books. That's what people want to hear about. Yeah, I'm just going to jump into the list. Everybody right. knows Mark Twain, right? Mark Twain. You should know Mark Twain. Well, I don't know. They, uh... He's always one of the ones with it the trying to cancel or edit his work. So. Well, if they cancel him and you can't read uh, Tom Sawyer or Huckleberry Finn, maybe you could. I always thought it was weird. It was always just Huckleberry Finn they canceled. They never canceled Tom Sawyer, really. Was there as many, like, N-word and stuff? There was a and few, I believe, but it wasn't... Um, like, not one of the name, main characters were... Well, it's not as gratuitous, and it's literally... It's not a story about going down the river with the slate. Yeah. So. So we maybe find some books people will want to read from Mark Twain. That's more appropriate. I'm sure they all have them around. He's from Missouri. <laughs> Number one, the celebrated jumping frog of Calvaras County. I, I don't know if this is going to be a theme, but I do find that Mark Twain sucked at titles. Yeah. I'd say that was a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. So the piece that first catapulted Twain into the national eye is, in truth, not so much a book as a short story. So that's already a fail. But also, it catapulted him. It didn't send him, you know, just made him a star. It catapulted him. Well, I, that was one thing I was wondering, like, if, like, uh, novels to, like, short stories or, like, collections of short stories, you know, whenever yeah. you whenever you mentioned this. Originally published as Jim Smiley and his Jumping Frog, a slightly better name. Yeah. 
The celebrated jumping frog of Calvaraz County. It's just the Calvaraz County. Just get mm. that out of there. Uh, it's a tale of a man who gets dragged into an admittedly one-sided conversation with another man who simply loves hearing the sound of his own voice. Well, haven't we all been there now, fella? His companion stories are pointless and endless, and our poor narrator can barely interject a word to excuse himself. Eventually, the indefatigable indefatigable storyteller... I never read that word in my life. That was close. (laughs) (laughs) It was a T. Indefatigable. Oh, okay. The end is what got me. The indef... It's fatigue, I think. I think that's what they're saying. Indefatigable. I don't think that should be a verb. Uh, Storyteller lands on a yarn about a jumping frog, hence the title of the piece. Short as it may be, this piece should be enough to give you a taste of twins. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's humor and all that. Um, That's not a book. That's a short story. Yeah. So that's already not on the book list to me. Number two, The Innocence Abroad. This was written in 1869. Yeah. Growing up, Twain was big on travel and took many opportunities to gallivant around the world, a passion that shows up in spades in his no. early work. As the... <laughs> This is not good with the period of the... As the best-selling book of Twain's lifetime and one of the most popular travelogues ever published, The Innocence Abroad documents Twain's voyages in Europe and the Middle East in hilarious fashion. Trips to the Leaning Tower of Pisa, the Vatican, and even the Sphinx in Egypt create comic set pieces, even while Twain delights in pointing out many uh, politically incorrect cultural peculiarity in every country. You know what that almost kind of reminds me of is like fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Kind of. Without the drug use. Well, we don't know. Well, maybe opium use or something, but less drugs. Though the innocence abroad is categorized as nonfiction, the reality is that it lies somewhere between fact and fiction. So yeah, kind of like, you know, uh, the original gonzo style. A fictitious nonfiction. I like that. Some of his accounts may seem somewhat fanciful, which is understandable seeing as Twain is an author at heart. But stories are so great that it doesn't really matter what's true. Okay, so he, uh, second book on the list, pretty much nonfiction. Yeah. But still a book, though. Still a book. Who could do it better? A little bit better. Number three, Roughing It, 1872. When he was only 26 years old, Samuel Clemens lit out to California to mine for gold. In them in hills. Yeah, he didn't hit out, he lit out. Ooh. He's moking ass diggy icky on his way to Cali. So he could gold mine. You know, gold mine. Fucking digging a hole. Digging up dirt and gold. <laughs> uh, where was I? Oh. At the end? So he wanted to mine for gold. This became the basis for Roughing It, or the prequel to The Innocence Abroad and a semi-autobiographical memoir about Twain's experiences in the American West. Okay. Heroin. Uh, I never like when people use this word to sound fancy. Herein lies a potpourri of Twain's earliest adventures. Herein, so uh, one word. Uh, that's weird. It's old, old yeah. school. When's the last time you used herein? Uh, Never. No. Uh, so more semi-autobiographical. It's rough around the edges, huh? No pun intended. Ooh. Especially when compared to subsequent works. Okay, so that's yeah, more non-fiction style. Here we go. Now this sounds better. The Gilded Age, 1873. Published in 1873 and co-written with Charles Dudley Warner based on a bet with their wives, The Gilded Age was Twain's first novel. There we go. There we go. If you want to get in Twain, start with the first novel. That's what I would do. 
You probably already recognize that the Gilded Age refers to the three decades that followed the Civil War, but what you might not know is that this is the book that coined the term. Ooh, interesting. True to Twain's Midwestern roots, it's a splendid satire of the politics and corruption that ran rampant in Washington, D.C. in the post-war years, featuring an ensemble cast of crooked politicians, gaudy plutocrats, pretentious bankers, and naive bystanders, all of whom Twain cheerfully skewers with colorful prose in this book. Who's a plutocrat? I don't know. Maybe it's like something he like made up to make fun of something in the book. No, I don't think it is. You know what? I have the technology. Yeah. I'm going to highlight it, and I'm going to go to define. And a plutocrat is a person whose power derives from their wealth. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, it's nice to see how... So much has changed yeah. since <laughs> since the writing of that novel. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, you know how we were talking off air about English? Yeah. For those unfamiliar, I found out that there is a form of English that's just English. So no loan words, no French, no Latin-based words, and only words that are old English and modern English. And there's, I think it's called like the English News Network or something. Just type in English and English News and it comes up. So I read a news article that was written in English about Kissinger dying. And it's so weird because president is not a word. Oh, no. It's, it's not a, you know, it's not an English word. What oh, did they use? Something real stupid. Like, not like leader or? No. Something way worse? Let me bring it up because it, it made me, it made me laugh a little. I was like, <laughs> that's not better. <laughs> I don't care that's how... Probably, that's probably why we took the word president. Yeah. And started using it. Oh, no. Now we're on to... How do I go... Uh, shit. I didn't realize this. Updates every day. Who's doing this? There's a lot of people who like reading that. Uh, evidently. Oh, man. That is not a good layout. <laughs> can you just, like... Can you just look up the Anglo-Saxon word for president? That's a good idea. How do I get... Here's the word book. You're oh, a smart okay. feller. Yay! Yay! Can I look up a word? Here we go. So, president is... There was no results because I'm not looking up an English word. God damn it. So, I don't have What's an it? answer for anybody. Oh, no. Why can't I go to the previous article? Because I think I read it yesterday. I must have read it yesterday or before they updated it. Yeah, because it was you telling me about it on Sunday. Yeah, so, yeah, it was yesterday then. So you read it before going to the gym yesterday? Yeah. Here. Hey, wait, 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 not, wait, wait. Got it? Wait, you got it? Wait, I don't know. Re reel it in, reel it in. Come no, on. No, that ain't it. This oh. is, it's so weird. Here we go, I found it. Fucking terrible, it's just, ah. You'd have to go on the website to find it. I am on a the EnglishTimes.com, by the way. But just the way their catalog system is, it's just like random little folders with dates. Former U.S. Fucking weird. Form. This is about Henry Kissinger dying. Former U.S. borrow steer of rich. Henry Kissinger died yesterday at his home in Kent, Connecticut. He was 100 years old. Kissinger left behind his wife, Nancy Kissinger, and their two children, Dave and Elizabeth. Kissinger was made the borough steer of rich under Richard Nixon's four-sittership. That Not presidency. Four-sittership. It has been said that Kissinger and Nixon were good friends amid Kissinger's time working under Nixon. He is known for helping the U.S. and Soviet, blah, blah, blah. Uh, after Nixon's 
Before sittership was over, Kissinger still went on to give help and wisdom to many of the U.S. four-sitters that followed former U.S. four-sitter George W. Bush said about Kissinger that the U.S. lost one of their best and sharpest speakers on outborn ongoings. Wait, wait, what's that supposed to be asked for? I don't know. A newser? I don't know. Outborn ongoings. But you'll find a lot of that with the Anglishes. They just have these weird-ass fucking ways of describing things. I'm sorry, that, that was a major digression. I don't know why it went up. Why am I... Come on. Maybe if I hammer this yeah. thing. You gotta do some Fonzie in it. Hey, whoa. See, now I'm super loud. Fucking great. Great. Uh, so anyway, if you'd prefer to read only Twain and not Warner, <laughs> keep your perusal to the first 11 chapters. Amid the get-rich ploys and corporate fraud, they sparkle with Twain's trademark wit. So the Gilded Age, the first 11 chapters is Twain. The other one's Terry Pratchett. Whatever he said. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I don't think that's right. You sure he is, he's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, number five, the adventures of Tom Sawyer. I don't think we need to go into that. Everyone knows Tom Sawyer. I don't think. Do you think it should be higher on the list? I think it's going by date. Oh, okay. Eighteen seventy-six. Yeah, I think these are just publishing. Oh, names. Okay. I will say though, this is probably, in my opinion, the one that made him real famous. You know, I would think. And then obviously Huckleberry Finn. Uh, number six, A Tramp Abroad, 1880. In 1878 and 1879, Twain embarked on a second 15-month trip through Central Europe and the Alps. This is, I don't know why I never just pictured, like, I never pictured Twain leaving the U.S. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Is it because of the suits? Like, maybe in the mustache, but I guess he was a real cosmopolite. <laughs> is that an English word? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that can't be an English word. It almost actually kind of sounds like an English word. Cosmopolite. Yeah. I never get to use that word, so I use it whenever I can. This is the account of that journey, Twain's sequel to The Innocents Abroad, as discerning readers might be able to tell. Twain was once an innocent, now a tramp. However, he is one of the most endearing tramps in this uproariously epic book, which serves up an entertaining travelogue and social critique of the world all in one. So far, this kind of goes with why I never really read uh, Twain. I uh, I don't the subject matter. Yeah, like this stuff I don't really care about that much. There's not much just like story there. It's always like him like traveling or something yeah. like that. Him writing kind of about like his personal experiences. Yeah, and people being dumb. But could you imagine trying to fucking do put out a story now with the word "tramp" in the title? Mm, like Lady and the Tramp, you couldn't couldn't do it. I mean, might be able to do it. That that one might be might be grandfathered in, but I don't think it is because who's riding the rails anymore? Yeah. Number seven, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, eighteen eighty five. That's uh probably his greatest work, I think. Uh, number eight, A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, eighteen eighty nine. The seed of the idea for this book came to Twain while reading Sir Thomas Mallory's La Morte de Arthur. So now I have to read La Morte de Arthur before I read because I have it on my shelf. So I have to read that yeah, before yeah, I read yeah, this. Yeah. Good luck with that. That that's another thick one with weird words, isn't it? It's big. There's a lot of anguish yeah. in that. He reportedly well, I can't be anguish. I'm pretty sure the title's French. <laughs> so maybe I'm completely wrong. He reportedly scribbled down, dreamt of being a knight errant in armor in the Middle Ages. Have the notions and habits of thought of the present day mixed with the necessities of that. No pockets in the armor. No way to manage certain requirements of nature. Can't scratch. Cold in the head. Can't blow. Can't get a handkerchief. Can't use iron sleeve. <laughs> that they just scribbled notes. So like that's him, I guess, coming up with bits or jokes. Like oh, you can't, you know, 
use a handkerchief and when you're wearing armor. You can't yeah. wipe your nose on your armor mm. sleeve. I like it. Uh, thus, the story of Hank Morgan, a mere engineer from Connecticut who's transported back to 528 AD during the reign of King Arthur, was born. As Morgan integrates himself as a powerful magician by King Arthur's side, shenanigans expectedly run riot. But beyond its veneer as a fun time travel book, a Connecticut Yankee is King Arthur's in King Arthur's court is a reality check for us, a cautionary occasion for Twain to express a deep criticism of our ability to romanticize the past. Do people just like really look into this shit? Like that sounds like a fun time travel story. Right. Is he really putting this critique on like you know nostalgia and shit? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Because really, I mean, I guess the the. I just don't think of that being a time period of where people looking back. I mean, granted, like, that's probably not good times, you know, mm-hmm. but, like, I, yeah, I just don't think, like, was nostalgia even a thing back then? Like, it's a good question. I don't know. And I don't know, it, even if it was, were Americans looking back at King Arthur's stories? Because yeah, if anything, you think they'd be trying to get away from that. Yeah. I would imagine. I don't know. I don't know enough about that culture. Uh, this one I really, really want to read because of the title. Puddinhead Wilson, 1889. Yes. Please don't be super racist. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't be anything fucked up. Just be a dumb guy. That's all I want is just a dumb simpleton. <laughs> a Puddinhead. Because I use Puddinhead. I don't want it to like turn out it's a fucking racist slur that yeah. I never knew. I'm like, oh, God damn it. I'll put people Puddinhead a lot. You got fucking Puddin tape type, uh, taped on your back for life. Yeah. Uh, we got a dumb boss at work, and I'm pretty sure I uh, got everyone calling him putting him. <laughs> Chowderhead's another one of my favorites. Yes. Serialized in the Century Magazine before its publication as a novel in 1894, Puddinhead Wilson is the tale of two young boys. He spells it Puddinhead, by the yeah. way, too. It's not just, you know, Puddinhead. It's Puddinhead. Uh, so it's a tale of two young boys, one born to a slave woman and the other the master's son. Switched to infancy, their stories inevitably collide and may or may not culminate in a dramatic courtroom showdown. Through it all, Twain skillfully weaves a truly eccentric supporting cast, one that includes David Wilson, a man who finds great joy in collecting fingerprints. On its surface, Puddinhead Wilson might be the book that bears the most similarities to the ove of one of Twain's contemporaries, Charles Dickens. Mistaken identities, rampant crime, a motley crew of characters, an unbridled plot twist around, uh, however, its entertaining exterior masks the urgent social critique at the heart of the novel. Perhaps even more so than The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, this is the novel in which Mark Twain most powerfully came out against the institution of slavery and as an even stronger advocate for emancipation and women's rights. So I do really want to read this still, but it is not, it's not what I thought. No. That was just some dumb puddinghead <laughs> yeah, going just on somebody... Forrest Gump adventures. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm the puddinghead. I'm the simpleton because I want to read a stupid story that doesn't have to deal with big themes. Right. <laughs> just once. Just once. As I'm currently reading the Divine Comedy, the Don Quixote, and the Christmas Carol now. Yeah, I don't know why you're doing, why you try to throw the Christmas Carol in there. I didn't want to. Bryce made me. I'm almost done with it. I just started. Honestly, that's, not, that's not a long one, right? No, but it's. I didn't want to read it. Right? Um, I imagine it's that easy read. Reading. Well, it was a giant collection. That's what I was going to read it out of, the thing that's the size of the table. But I found a free ebook version. Oh, there you go. So I downloaded that. 10. Personal Recollections of Joan of Arc, 1896. Twain's swan song in fiction is arguably his finest novel. Certainly, he favored it most himself. Though the public slept on personal recollections of Joan of Arc when it was first published. Because of the title, man. Yeah. It's not a good title. 
Just, why he is not good at title. Puddinghead was a yeah, good title. Just, that's the only no, good one. Say, ain't no Puddinghead. Yeah. Personal recollections of Joan of Arc when it was first published, and history elevates Huckleberry Finn over top of it. Mark Twain quietly said, I like Joan of Arc best of all my books, and it is the best. I know it perfectly well. And besides, it furnished me seven times the pleasure afforded me by any of the others. How's that water? <laughs> it's salty. Can't put, be salt, I can't be salt in it. I had to put salt in my water so I got enough electrolytes. <laughs> Told from the perspective of Sieur Luis de Conte, a fictional companion of Jones, this is the story of the famed illiterate French peasant girl who rose to larger-than-legend status in 15th century France. It is not a biography, but an extensively researched novel, lengthy and rather slow-paced. Personal recollections of Joan of Arc is notable for its muted humor, a striking departure from the work that Twain can so reliably be expected to produce. But without his quintessential satire, it becomes something powerful of its own accord, a beautiful, worthy, and serious tribute to a person who embodied all the virtues that Twain admired in humankind. So it's a serious book. Yeah. Like a drama. That'd be interesting Mm. to see a Twain drama. Overrated or underrated, Joan of Arc? I don't know. It's kind of be hard to be underrated when they fucking burnt you at the, the stake. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. No. I mean, you kind of have to give it to somebody. It's like, look, you quit saying what, we, what you're saying, yeah. or we're going to fucking burn you at the stake. And you're just, no, not going to do it. Not going to do I'm, it. I'm going to say it again. Like, But also, thought she talked to God. Yeah. Well, I mean, and he told her to do stuff. Well, I mean, that that could that pass for back then. Like, yeah, they drank mercury and stuff yeah. back then. They didn't fucking know. They were eating lead. Like, their forks were made of lead. And yeah, if anything, they were burning. Makeup was made of lead. They were burning them because they were mad because they wanted God talking to them instead of some woman. Yeah, that's probably what it was. Uh, number 11, following the equator, 1897. We're now nearing the end of Twain's career. Which nose dived and wow, damn, dude, Jesus, that's harsh. fuck, said <laughs> just started to wind down yeah. is what you could have said. It just wind down slowly. Nope, fucking crashed and burned. Okay, so we're now nearing the end of Twain's career, which nosedive in the early you, 1890s. You know kids fucking put flaming piles of shit on people's doors. <laughs> that was his career. <laughs> Jesus. The celebrated Mark Twain. Fucking shit staying on society in 1890. <laughs> Bankruptcy due to poor investments prompted Twain to embark on a series of international speaking engagements circa 1895. This is when they uh, said he was like the first modern stand-up, because that's basically what he was doing. A long trip that enabled him to circumnavigate the far-flung countries of the Victorian British Empire. His many adventures from diamond mining in South Africa to riding the rails in India ended up bringing one of his last works of travel writing following the Ecuador into existence. Equator. Why am I saying Ecuador's? Uh, because you're an Ecuador idiot. is a country. I'm yeah. a pudding head. <laughs> you pudding head. I'm pretty sure I said that when I read the title too. Following the Ecuador. The Ecuadorian. No, following the equator. Equator. It's a T. Not the D. Ecuador is a country. The C. Yes. The D. Mm. And the E. And the U. Some more letters. An <laughs> R. A whole bunch of letters put together. Okay, the brain is not a functioning boy. Uh, I don't want to ever fast again. I think you need to fast before every episode. Yeah, okay. Uh, Though Twain was considerably older and sadder. (laughs) (laughs) He's so old and sad. He's a broken down (laughs) old man. Depressed. 
His best days are behind him, and he's facing the goddamn Grim Reaper. Every night he puts the gun in his mouth, and he just waits to pull the trigger. Oh, no. So, the twin was considerably older and sadder by this time. This book bears witness to the fact that his keen powers of observation never failed him. So long as there's no posturing nearby for him to ridicule, Twain could certainly produce a lovely sketch of the country itself. But the virtues of the following following the equator lie, as always, in its lively prose, freewheeling humor, and a bunch of other shit that nobody cares about. Number 12, The Mysterious Stranger, 1916. So this must be... They gotta be the end, right? I don't think so. I mean, there's two more books. Oh, wow. When did he die? Well, let's find out. I mean, according to the fucking last one, I thought he was fucking dead when he wrote that. <laughs> thought he was dead in 1890. He fucking wrote that and fucking kicked the stool out from underneath of him. Oh, Jesus. Spencer, you can't be saying that about one of our beloved writers of American letters. Number 12, The Mystery, Str- the Mysterious Stranger, 1916. No, that's a decent title. That's a good title. Maybe he got better at titles before he croaked. <laughs> In the fitting title, in the fittingly titled "The Mysterious Stranger," we meet a group of boys who encounter a stranger in late 16th century Austria. He's turned up in town rather well, mysteriously. <laughs> That's for you, Mike. Let's play that on a loop. What the fuck's wrong with you guys? But unfolding circumstances reveal that there's more to him than meets the eye. More than me. He's a transformer. <laughs> what if that was the plot twist? <laughs> His fucking flesh mech just explodes just, and out comes a robot. I just, I really, I really like, uh, uh starving Caleb. <laughs> Fasting Caleb. Good thing of the word for a Fasting. Is that an English, English word? I don't know. I'll look it up later. Yeah, don't do it now. Uneaten, Caleb. <laughs> but unfolding circumstances reveal that there's more to him than meets the eye. He's an angel, not a transformer. Aww. He could be both. He could be both things. Yeah. He could be two things. Yeah. You're allowed. I, I mean, transformers is definitely, I mean, by definition, they're two they, things. They are two things, at least. And his name is Satan. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get through this. I can't, I can't handle this. All right, I'm going to try this again. So, more than meets the eye, he's an angel and his name is Satan. Not the Satan, by the way. Just a distant relative, okay? Satan's third cousin. Named Satan. <laughs> explaining, the, <laughs> explaining the probably inconvenient family name, he's a distant relative. Unfortunately, this unfinished novel was published posthumously in 1916, so we'll never know what Twain intended for the mysterious stranger in the end. He turns out to be really Satan! What a shock. It's Tom Sawyer. What you will find, Spencer, mm, with the mysterious me. stranger is a raw dick. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> no. <laughs> I guess it doesn't tell me that's not what's on your screen right there. I mean, this might be what's on your screen, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, what you will find is an opaque but profound contemplation of human nature itself as the weight of Twain's cynicism and delusionment with humanity ultimately dwarfs the carefree antics that characterize his previous works. <laughs> I read that so fast. <laughs> I like the raw dick better. It was easier yeah, to read. Right? I don't know about your, <laughs> your uh, My- rendezvous with mysterious <laughs> strangers, but my leanings have always turned a little sour. Yeah. I shouldn't have read all those English news articles because my brain has been like forming words weird lately. I, was, I wonder why. 
Oh, there's more. 13, Letters from the Earth, 1962. So this is like zombie Twain. Yeah, like, it has to be, right? Yeah, this might even be after Hemingway died. Mark Twain never intended Letters from the Earth to be published, so they published it. What about fucking, fucking flat porn letters? Yeah, baby, more witty. Yeah, oh, yeah. More witty than Joyce. Uh, so saying that it would be a felony to do so, perhaps because of the controversial opinions that he imparted within. He got real racist. <laughs> yeah, everybody like, it was all an act. You know what? The Jews. Uh-oh. Oh, good. So needless to say, its premise is provocative. <laughs> the word? Yeah. Provocative. The book is made up of a series of letters written by the Archangel Satan. God, God damn it. Jesus? You like Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? Jesus was a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Go Satan. Satan is cooler. Yeah. I mean, yeah. rock and roll, you know? The horns, I mean. Yeah. Would you rather have horns or a halo? Mm, depends what you can do with the halo. Does it change size? No, it just sits there. It just floats. Yeah. You can't take it off and throw it around or nothing. It just sits there. Hmm. Well, both g- cause an impediment where you can't wear a hat. Right. So that's problematic for me. Not that I wear hats a lot, but sometimes I want to wear yeah. like a nice hat. We'll get into this a little later. Let me finish this. So, the letters written by the Archangel Satan that comment on humankind and Christianity, Satan sent them to Archangels Gabriel and Michael, hoping to amuse them while he whittled away his time on Earth after another expulsion from heaven. Another? How many times they kicked this guy out? More than that, this incisive book gave Twain a platform to produce a scathing rebuke of our God-fearing society. Despite Twain's misgivings, Letters from the Earth was nevertheless published posthumously in 1962, but he had actually written it circa 1909 during a black period of his life in which his eldest daughter and wife both died. Make no mistake, this is Twain in his most cynical, defiant, intelligent, belligerent, and cutting. It's all those things. Of course, that means that this book is perhaps his funniest. All right. You know, that reminds me of like old George Collin almost. Yeah, that's kind of what it sounds like. So if you don't have time to read it, though, go straight to A Cat Tale. The Damned Human Race, and the titular story, Letters from the Earth. So that's what we can actually read, because that's just, like, individual yeah. shorts. Uh, number 14, autobiography of Mark Twain that he wrote himself in 2010. Oh, wow. Amazing feat. <laughs> Amazing <laughs> yeah. feat. Impressive, Mr. Twain. <laughs> yeah. Well done. You think he would have picked a better picture? He looks so grizzled on that cover. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean. You know what it was that always got me? He had, like, the white hair, but the dark mustache. Mm. Not a good combo. Well, it's not like they didn't really have dye back then, did they? Yeah, it's like squid ink or yeah. dip your head in some, some sauce. Shit. Some everything was just made of like mushrooms and dirt. So that you can make what dirt? Poke it, I'm gonna poke it. Poke that dirt. So in his twilight years, Mark Twain sat on his deathbed, a stenographer by his side, and talked. From the mass of these notes emerged this autobiography, a patchwork of memories, anecdotes, tall tales, and personal philosophies. By this time, Twain had lived through the gold rush, the American promise of manifest destiny, the Civil War, the hopeful dawn of Reconstruction and its eventual collapse, the onset of the American Indian Wars, bankruptcy of ventures around the globe too many to count, and a testimony to a life loved well. Yes. Yeah, that's just my biography. That's it. Yeah. That's it. So you were saying something about Transformers. Transformers. <laughs> More than meets the eye. 
I didn't know Mark Twain was a transformer, but I like it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like that idea, him just turning into... Thank you. Um, thoughts? Thoughts on the list? Any? Uh, I mean... Quitting head? Yeah, I mean, well, I still have to read Huckleberry Finn and... Um, Tom Sawyer. And Tom Sawyer, uh, which we bought... Well, I bought a while ago on one of our trips to the bookstore. You know, nice, fancy, you know, covers and stuff like that. Do you think those are, would be good to start with, other than... Yeah, I don't, I don't see why not, because uh, arguably the best works. Yeah. So I would read those. They're both very enjoyable, and they're funny as fuck, mm. so I would read those, and then for me, I'm probably going to read the... Uh, after I read the Le Mort Arthur, or whatever, the Death of Arthur. Mm. Why didn't you say the Death of Arthur? Why you got to put French in there? I'm not... They know I'm not good at French. They, they Fucking know. Fucking asshole Thomas Mallory. <laughs> That's going to be a story I'm going to write. I go back in time and punch Thomas Mallory in the face for using French on his fancy... Was he French? I don't think he was. So I will go ahead and read the Connecticut and King Arthur's Court and put... I'll probably read Puddinghead first. Right. And the, the one with the cool uh, jazzercising Satan cousin named right. Satan sounded fun, too. I don't think he said he was jazzercising, did he? No. I mean, and it would be interesting to read one of what those travel ones would be like eventually. Yeah. You know, I mean, just to see what, you know... Steinbeck's got a travel book I've been wanting to read, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. So, in summation, read Mark Twain. Mm. Why did we pick this? Because it popped up. Yes. In my head. I said, I wonder what books old Marky Langhorn Clemens Twain got written. Marky Mark Twain. What did he wrote in? Trying to think of the English word. Let's look up. You know, we'll Uh end that on some fucking English translations real quick, because that is fun. For me, nobody else likes that mm. stuff, but I think it's a hoot. Now, unfortunately, I can only find the English news seems mm. to be the only thing that writes these articles. So here's the current English news. Ship struck in Red Sea. Okay. This is big news happening now. Okay. As of today of 4-12-2023. They do their dates weird, don't they? Yeah. They do in other countries. It's the... M- the day, the, the month, month, the year. Yeah. Smallest to biggest, I think. Yeah. Makes sense, actually. Kind of, yeah. A lot more sense than month, day, year, like we do. Yeah. In the United States of America. 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 Fuck, Fuck yeah. By the way, America is not an English word. <laughs> just so you know. So when they refer to America, they can't say America. Oh, God, what do they say? I don't think... I forget. Cause I think I read in one of the articles, like, United States, I don't think is a word either. It's like a, it's like a ridiculous mm. name. It's almost kind of like, why are you doing this? What are you trying to prove? Yes. Yesterday, two trading ships in the Red Sea were struck, one by a flying weapon, <laughs> one by a flying weapon, and the other by a drone. So drone's fine, but not flying weapon. Um, a U.S. ship, the USS Kearney, came to help the trading ships and shot two drones out of the sky. The strike is said to have been done by a Houthi fighters. The Houthis are Shia Muslims running northern Yemen. They took the side of Hamas in its strike against Israel. They have fired many weapons towards Israel since the fight with Hamas began. Uh, this one doesn't seem to have any too many hilarious changes. I'm gonna find a I'm gonna find a good one. We'll end it on a good one. Sure you will. I'm gonna go back. Oh, they go all the way back to 1814. No, I can't do that. Should I do that? I don't know if you have the brain capacity for that right now. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Washington burns to the ground, so they must have rewrote old articles. Burns to the ground. Burns to the ground. So this was from 
1814. Yesterday afternoon, thousands of British harmen began storming into Washington, setting fire to the four-sitter's house. <laughs> Another fucking word for president, just four-sitter. The White, the White House and many other Lee Ward buildings throughout town, leaving nothing but ashes and dead bodies in their wake. While America's Harmon put up their best fight, what's a fucking Harmon? Army? Soldier? Best fight, they could not hold the British off for long, and soon four-sitter James Madison had to flee with what many had left. This takeover of Washington is blah, 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 blah. Um, I just want to read this guy's name because I always like it. The British Harmon were led by Robert Ross and George Cockburn <laughs> shortly after they won the fight of Bladensburg earlier that day. And they pl- there's some plundering, wrongdoings, and some more force sitting. All right. Let me get the gist of it. If you they folks want to have fun, you look that up yourself. You can find out how... Uh, we actually... I flirted with the idea we were talking about writing a story for like one of these lit magazines yeah. that's written in English. Because they... Have like the word because it's word bank or word book or whatever because it can't be dictionary. That's mm. an English word. Uh, you can like translate like you can write out a story and then look up the words and change them accordingly. That'd be fun. So Spencer Church, your only fans this week is the uh, something munching. I was munching something. You're munching. <laughs> I think I like the uh, Mississippi. Muff muncher. <laughs> no, that wasn't it. it was, remember, it was a little bit more tame. Oh, the uh, the Mongolian man muncher. No, yeah, uh, I don't remember <laughs> the Dublin dirty diaper that destroyer. Was, that was not it. The no Missouri no. man witch maker. Man witch maker. I think that, that had nothing to do with munching. Yeah. It was, it was with the M's. It was in there. I like the Dublin one. Destroying dirty diapers. That's a service. Uh, well, yeah. So you're just showing people how to make uh, manwiches. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's on your OnlyFans. OnlyFans.org. Yep. That should be a word. I don't know what it <laughs> is. I don't think it's a website. Is it a website? Just an app? I don't know. Uh, I am... My stomach's a fucking growler, bro. <laughs> Break. 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 I meets, am your host, Caleb meets, James. Meets, you can meets, follow my life meets, adventure at calebjamesk.com. Life adventure sounds erotic. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds uh, gay. Yeah. This is the word I think that was coming to my mind. <laughs> if you folks want to follow us, you can do so at DPW Podcast on X, YouTube, Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, and uh, that's it. Not Blue Sky. I'm on there, but not DPW. No. Next week, I won't be fasting, so I'll be all right. <laughs> I hope you are. We got a new Chromebook, so we'll be good to go. <laughs> but I'll leave you with some famous last words that Mark Twain said on his deathbed. I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly, but I believe it was more than meets the eye. <laughs> Bryce, what are you doing? Trying to, you know, game. <laughs> what? 
This game is really hard. Pac-Man? Uh, yeah. Dude, you're supposed to be playing the game for next week's episode of Arcade Bookshop. I mean... <sighs> I will. I'm really close to beating this. Right. And what about the book? Huh? We're supposed to finish a book for the podcast, too? Oh, yeah. I finished that last week. Yes! Oh, did you finally beat it? Uh-huh. The first level. Oh, boy. You can listen to new episodes of Arcade Bookshop every other Monday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you get your pods. You'll always find us with a controller in one hand and a book in the other. Hey, Caleb, you wanted to see me? Ah, Spencer, my good fellow. I've been expecting you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so did you want something or... Want? Goodness, no. Require. Require? Yes. I require your services for the briefest of moments. Okay. Surely you can see the predicament I'm in. Well, actually, no, I can't. I lost my glasses at the pub last night. A pub, you say? Surely you can't be serious. As serious as a fart during a recto, because I am. And stop calling me Shirley. Rightio. Anyway, if your spectacles were affixed upon your face, you'd see that I, the host of the most prodigious writing and books podcast in the business, has been immobilized by a rather substantial stack of fallen folios. What? My to-read pile finally fell on me while I was taking a nap. But you're on a podcast table. I hardly see how that matters. And you're naked! I hardly see how that matters. Dude, your hairy ass is touching my drink coaster. I hardly see how that matters. It matters to me! Can you just unbury me? No way! Your reckless reading got you into this mess. Blockhead! Wait! Don't go! There's a copy of War and Peace wedged in my taint! Spencer! Can you at least leave me a bottle of whiskey? Hello? Can't get enough drunken nonsense? Listen to new episodes of the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast every Tuesday wherever you get your pods.